Good morning. It is a good, good day to be in church, folks. Real quick before we start, and if I haven't planted this, I love y'all to be 15 minutes early. Church starts at 10, 15 from here on out. Um, I was passing out the information for the, uh, the Bible banquet coming up for the Rockingham Bible Council. If you didn't get one, it's because you weren't here in those 15 minutes, but guess what? They're right back there on the table spread out for you. If you did not receive information on the Bible banquet coming up, please grab one. They're on the back table, okay? I plugged that. Very good. If you, turn your Bibles to Joshua 2. If you're not there, turn into, uh, your Bibles to Joshua 2. We, I hope you looked at your bulletin, because I did not title this sermon. I wanted the picture to be the impact. If you have a bulletin, make sure you're looking at that front cover where you see that scarlet ribbon or that scarlet thread or what we call the scarlet cord. I want you to really visualize today. Now before we start our text, I need to explain. Some of the scripture I'm going to read, some I'm going to talk through because we're doing the whole chapter. But you're going to get the story of Rahab and the spies, and I'm focusing today on Rahab's faith. But there is something else to the story that I want to share at the end. Before we read, I have to share a verse with you. Because we sang that beautiful hymn, Whiter Than Snow. There is a verse in Isaiah 118. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Think about that as you look at your bulletin. Scarlet will become white as snow. Crimson Red will become like wool. That is a drastic, drastic, extreme change. I need us to keep this verse in mind throughout the entirety of today's sermon. From scarlet to white as snow. So let's look at verse 1 together. If you're in Joshua 2, let's look at verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. All right, let's talk about verse 1 for a sec. Joshua, who's identified as the son of Nun, if you don't know who Joshua is, Joshua will be taken over from Moses. Moses has died. Joseph has received the promises, the power, and the presence of God in the conquest of Canaan, the promised land. They're about to embark on this journey, on this conquest, to take the land that's been promised to them. They could have taken it 38 years earlier, right, when Moses brought them. But remember, they chickened out, they spread, like, they spread rumors like wildfire, and they spent another 38 years in the wilderness. And now they're back. Moses is gone, Joshua is in place, and we're, identified, <clears throat> we're identifying Joshua by the son of Nun, his father. Two men were sent in secretly. Secretly is the key word here. In Moses' time, they took a man from each tribe. They sent 12 men, and if you remember, all 12 came back with a report. Ten were negative. Again, they spread horrible things because they were afraid. They did not believe in what God was promising. Only two. Caleb and Joshua. Joshua is one of them right here that we're talking about. And in fact, 
these two men are the only ones that have made it back. They're the only two alive. That whole generation, plus Moses, is gone. They've died out. This is a new generation of fighting men that are about to take on. Okay? They're about to take up arms against Canaan. This is a new generation of men under the leadership of, of, of Jacob. I mean, excuse me, Joshua. So only two men came back from that 38 years. It's a total of 40, mind you. 38 years, though, since they could have taken this land. So he sent two men secretly. Very smart. They were to leave Joshua through his instructions, go do the mission, and report back to him without anyone else knowing it was a secret. Two men. But what did he say to them? He says, I need you to pay special attention to Jericho. I'm telling you, this first verse unpacks a lot. I need you to pay special attention to Jericho. i got to know about this city. Tell me about the morale of the people. What are they like? What's the morale? Tell me about the guard towers. Tell me about the walls, the gates, the people, the fortification. I need to know what we're getting into. Joshua knows that God is giving them the land, but he is a smart leader. And he is going to do his due diligence, if you will, to make sure as they attack that they are honoring God in this attack. And they are, this is the first city, folks. This is the first city in this conquest. By the way, it is the oldest city in the world, and it is the lowest city in the world. And I'm going to talk more about that. I have some fascinating archaeological things to tell you when we get to the actual battle of Jericho. So make sure you're here for that. So they're going to pay special attention. But as they enter Jericho, they go straight to a prostitute's uh, house who's named Rahab. Now, first reading this verse, you have to say to yourself, okay, is this a situation where what happens on this side of the Jordan stays on this side of the Jordan? Because here they are entering a city, and they're going straight to a prostitute's house, and one would wonder, because of our culture today, what's going on? Are they deviating from the mission for their own personal pleasure? Not at all. This is really neat. There are a lot of people in our past that wanted to rewrite and write out the words prostitute and harlot. They wanted to dismiss that, because you're going to find out Rahab becomes part of the Messianic line. They wanted to write that out, but you can't. If you look at the word, the verbiage, the Greek, it is a harlot. It is a prostitute. Now, we don't know if she is a cultic prostitute, meaning she is a prostitute that helps in the rituals, because Jericho was a nasty place. Depravity, folks. Was she a ritualistic prostitute? Or was she a professional, which I lean to, a professional? Now, I want to ask you something. If you entered a city as a stranger and you kind of wanted to blend in, would you enter the baker, a bakery? Hey, we're going to crash here for the night. <laughs> we're with that great nation out there that's about to come in and wipe you out. No. Would you enter a family's home? No, you'd stick out like a sore thumb in any other business, but you would blend in kind of a, 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 anonymously, if you will. You'd blend in if you entered the house of a prostitute where many men have gone in and come out. So I believe that... Why we do not know why they chose Rahab's house. We don't have that information. We're not privileged to why they chose it. I truly believe this was divine direction. This was the providence of God. And they did blend in. Not great. Not great. And I'll tell you why in a sec. But I want to say something here. God's grace is purposed in this spy's mission. But God's grace is with Rahab as well, bringing them together for his purpose. Think about it. A harlot. This is amazing. Talk about amazing love. A harlot and the army of Israel coming together. Only, only, this can only be God. And this also brings validity to Scripture. 
Because wouldn't we want to write, oh, no, this was a professional businesswoman. She was organized. But no, we're talking about a prostitute. It makes the Bible all the more real. We don't hide things. So here they are in the city of Jericho, and they've entered the house to lodge with a prostitute named Rahab. Now I'm going to go over verses 2 through 5 for you. It's not that they were bad spies. It's not that they were trying to be all stealth-like and were noticed. You have to remember, about seven miles away, just on the other side of the Jordan, was a huge army, the nation of Israel. It's about seven miles out. But they have patrols. Jericho Jericho has outside patrols, sentinels, if you will. They would have known they were there, so they would have been on alert. So it's not that these guys were bad spies. They were already looking for strangers entering the city. And these guards would have noticed these two strangers, and they did, and they followed them, and they saw them go into Rahab's house. So the king was informed. There are men here seeking out our city. They're checking out our land, and they're in the prostitute's home of Rahab. So the king sent men to Rahab. You need to bring them out. Bring them on out. Those who entered your house, we need to see them. But here's the start of Rahab's faith, where it works. I'm going to give you several points today, but Rahab's faith worked. Here's the beginnings of this work. She hid them. Now, you may think, so what? No, you're talking about a woman who lives in a city under a king who is basically committing treason. She is turning her back on her people. She's turning her back on her king. She's turning her back on this city to hide these two men. This is a big deal that she hid them. So they, they come to the house and say, you need to bring them out. Rahab hid them, and then she goes, you know what? They were here. They were here. You're right. But now they're gone. They're gone. I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they're going, but they were worried about the gates closing at dark, at sunset. They would lock the gates at sunset in the city, and they were worried about being locked in, so they left. You know, I'm not sure where they went. I'm not sure where they went, but if you leave now... I bet you can catch them. It wasn't that long ago. I bet you if you leave now, you can catch them. So she gave disinformation, misinformation, if you will. She redirected them, and they headed out of the city because um, she was sure they'd catch them. So the men took off in pursuit. Now, you've got to ask yourself, hold on. Does the Bible condone lying? Because we have a great lie here, don't we? Shouldn't have Rahab, in, in all honesty, told you <laughs> they're up on my roof. Go get them, boys right? But she lied. Now, let me ask you something. Now, Blaze, my Blaze Life Group, I know some of you are here. We've talked about righteous lies. We've talked about lying. Did you know back at Moses' time that the midwives of the Hebrew women lied to Pharaoh? But they lied to Pharaoh to preserve the life of all these Hebrew children that were being born because they were instructed to kill every male that was born, and they couldn't do it. They loved their God. And God God dealt well with them. They lied to Pharaoh, a lesser evil, to, to, to uh, combat a greater evil. Let me, let me give you some other things. See, sometimes deception and disinformation, folks, sometimes they're right and they're necessary. And I'll give you some practical things. Hunters use traps, don't they? Hunters use traps. Some of them use blinds. Uh, what about this? Fishermen use lures and bait. In sports, Athletes will attempt to trick the opposition in order to score. Chess players will sacrifice a weaker piece in order to obtain 
a stronger piece from their opponent. Uh, poker, cards, don't we try to keep our face, don't we try to bluff, right? It's a bit deceptive. But God dealt well with the midwives when they lied to Pharaoh. What about parents of Moses? The parents of Moses hid him for three months. As we can see in certain situations, this kind of protective deception is not wrong. Let me paint a picture for you. A blaze will know where I'm coming from. We talked about an intruder entering your house for the sole intention of murdering your family. Murdering your family. Your kids are hiding. Your spouse is hiding. The intruder comes in and confronts you and says, tell me where they are. Okay, well, this kid's over here. Do you tell him? No. You you offer deception and misinformation. I'm not going to let you get my kids. They went out the window and they're down the street while they're hiding. We don't offer that information. And that's what we're seeing here. It's like a lesser evil, if you will, combating a greater evil. Because those men would have been taken and most likely killed. So Rahab put her neck on the line and protected these men. So sometimes this disinformation, this deception, is right and necessary because God dealt well with the midwives, and as we're going to see, God dealt very well with Rahab. So I mentioned a minute ago that Rahab's faith worked, meaning, and by the way, you better start start thinking about your faith. Her faith was working. There were works in her life that was evidence of this faith. So her faith worked. I want to read a verse to you. This is from James, the book of James 2, 24 through 26. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. The book of James is talking about Rahab the prostitute and her faith. And not only her faith, the works that were evident of it. Believe me, Christians, we are saved by grace through faith. It's not by works, but our works are evidence of that faith being in place. That's what James is talking about. So Rahab's hiding them in was an act of faith in God. Rahab sending them out another way was an act of faith in God from this harlot living in Jericho. So her faith worked. Guess what else? Rahab's faith testified. It would testify. Let's look in our Bibles. Look at Joshua 2. I want to start at verse 6. So you guys follow me here. Joshua 2, verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with stalks of flax. And she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Verse 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with me. 
in my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours even to death if you do not tell this business of ours. Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Oh, we have a lot to unpack here. By the way, Joshua 2 has so many things, so many things. But I want to talk about this visit on the roof. She hit him. And flax, let me explain flax to you. Flax is a plant that would have been cut and it would have been spread out on a roof so that it would dry out because the fibers from that plant were used for textile purposes. And that's what she was doing up there. But however, there were so many stacks, she was able to hide both men. Okay? So here she is. The men are in pursuit outside the gate looking for them. They're on the roof hidden by the stalks, and she comes up. Now, the gate was shut. I want to I re- reiterate something. The gates in that city, when they closed, you were trapped. You were in that city because those gates weren't opening. If you were outside the gates, you weren't getting back in. So if they were caught outside, which was hoping, they were hoping they'd find them, the sentinels would get them. The guards would get them. If they were inside, well, they have tomorrow to find them because they were trapped. So the gate was shut. It's kind of a precaution, if you will, to capture those who would still be lurking in the city. But this is what's really neat, and you got to pay attention to this. Rahab went up to the men before they fell asleep. This shows you again that these men were not looking for a prostitute. They were not looking to lay down with Rahab. They were on their own laying down. They were about to go to sleep because Rahab came to them before they lay down. And she said something to them. Rahab provides valuable information to the spies, the kind of information that Joshua was looking for. Rahab is giving this information on the roof. She is giving it to them. And I have to read this again. Look at verse 9. What did she say to the men? I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. That is valuable, valuable information. Look at verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. Can we talk about this for a second? This is amazing. Rahab is bringing an event up that happened 40 years ago. Now, let me paint a picture for you so you truly grasp this. The people that actually walked through the parted Red Sea, that actually experienced this amazing miracle, were the same people who rejected their God. The same people who said, we cannot take this land, we can't conquer this land, let's get out of here, let's go back to Egypt and be slaves. The same people who experienced the Red Sea rejected the God, and now you have a woman and other people that know this story 40 years later going, we are terrified of your God. Isn't that amazing? The chosen elect Israelites rejecting God and these people in Jericho who were living in a vile and depraved city, folks. It was a horrible, I mean, we're talking about sacrifice of children. Horrible place. They're in fear and trembling over what happened. I find that amazing. And look, they bring up the two kings of the Amorites who would have been, Jericho would have known about these two kings and their countries. Hear me out. Moses and the Israelites only wanted to pass through King Sihon's land. 
They ask, we won't touch your vineyards. We won't eat any of your food. Our cattle won't graze. We won't even drink out of your wells. We just want to pass through. No, you cannot. And they came out to fight them. They lost. Israel won. And then this king Og came out. He lost. Israel won. Because God was with them. And this is what Rahab is bringing up. We know about the Red Sea. We're terrified. We know what you did to those two kings of the Amorites. We are afraid. We're melting away. This is such valuable, valuable information. But you have to understand what's happening here. Rahab's confession up on that roof is expressing the faith that she has. Why? Because it's appropriate for the knowledge. It's appropriate for the available information to her. This is what she knew. She didn't know any of the other stuff about God. This is what she knew. But her faith was based on these events. That is amazing. That is amazing. Look at, look at 2.11. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted away, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. And here's her confession of faith. Here's where she believed. You ready? For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath Rahab believed in the God of Joshua. Rahab believed in the God of these two spies. And then she began to make an oath. She began to make an oath in verses 12 through 14. We find, I've dealt kindly with you. Will you deal kindly with me? Can I bring my father's household into my house? Will you save our lives because I'm doing this? Will you save our lives? And they began to make an oath. And I'm going to talk a little bit about 15 through 21. Because see, we're going to find not only was Rahab's faith working, and we're not only going to find out that Rahab's faith was testifying, Rahab's faith influenced. Rahab's faith influenced. See, they escaped through a window in her house. They couldn't go out through the gate. They were trapped in the city. They weren't outside the city already to escape. So they were going to go through a window, and she was going to let them down by a rope. Now, you have to understand how Jericho was built. Her house, the Bible says, was built into the city walls. See, Jericho had two walls. And again, you've got to be here when I talk to you about this city and more in depth. But there was an inner wall, and then there was another wall outside of it with a retaining wall. And in between was an earth embankment. And I don't know if it was just overcrowding or the pressure of the city, people being too too many. They started building on that earth embankment. Her house was on this outside earth embankment, and usually the back side of the castle, the wall there, that was her part of her house. And that window was where she let them down to escape. So her house was built into the city wall. Now, as they're escaping, she says, look at me, listen. Go to those hills. Right outside this city were some hills of limestone riddled with caves. She says, go there and hide. Stay there for three days until the pursuers that who have left for you, until they return. When they return, now you take off and go back. But not till then. And then there was a repetition of the oath again. Listen, please, I've dealt kindly with you. Please save me. Please save my family. Please, when you come and destroy the city, because I know you're going to do it, you're God, this land is y'all's. Please save our lives. So there was a repetition of this oath. So Rahab's faith influenced. And I want us to look at verses 18 and 19 together of chapter 2. Look at 18 and 19. Behold, when we come into this land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. 
then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. So let me go over this oath. If your family stays in this house behind the authority of this scarlet cord, your family's going to be saved. In fact, if anybody harms your family inside that house, we'll give our lives. Our lives is part of the oath. If you leave this house, though, your blood is on your own head. We can't do anything about that. You need to be under the security of this home with that scarlet cord. You cannot be outside the house. The blood's on your, your hands and your head, if so. And then they repeat, but listen, we're guiltless if you tell them anything about why we're here. If you give anybody any information as to why we're here, we're guiltless. Deal is off. So here's what's neat about this. Not only did she protect the spies, Rahab, in her influence, demonstrated her faith in that she wanted her families to come into the house and be safe. She wanted safety for her family, their physical deliverance, if you will, desiring that they too become a part of God's people instead of living in this vile and degrading idolatry that is Jericho. It was a bad place, folks. So Rahab's faith influenced behind that scarlet cord. Let's talk about the scarlet cord for a minute. Look at verse uh, 21. 221. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Meaning, the oath that you and I just made, it's done. I agree, you agree, it's done. So be it. Then she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now this is something else, folks. Let's talk about scarlet. First thing that came to my mind when I studied Rahab is the Passover. If you remember the Passover, they were to put blood across the doorpost of their home, right? Of where they were living. And the angel would pass over if they saw that blood, meaning the people inside were safe. The angel would pass over. And then the scarlet cord, you can't help but think of the blood of Christ. Let's face it, the blood of Christ, the sinner's security, right? Our atonement, our salvation. So the scarlet cord, which would have been so visible, this color would be so visible. In fact, as the nation marched around Jericho all those days, you got to know that they'd see this scarlet cord. It would be visible. They would see it every time they passed. And Joshua knew, he'll find out soon, that, that those people in there were protected behind that. Just like you and I are protected behind the blood of Christ, we find our security behind the blood of Christ. That's why we are saved. And I just think it's awesome that this cord was scarlet this scarlet cord now verses 22 through 24 i'm going to talk to you about so we have the two men here the spies that depart and hide in the hills they're in the caves there, hiding in the hills waiting for their pursuers to return and then they would return to joshua in what secret so when they returned they walked back to the jordan they swam across right they went straight to Joshua because it was a secret no one else knew. And let's read our last verse in 24, 224. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into you, our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So they reported all that they had seen 
They reported all that they had heard from Rahab. And Rahab basically told them this, you know what? This conquest is good as done. It's over. It's yours. It's yours for the taking. I know your God is going to destroy this place. Save my life. Save my family's lives. Now we have to look at this faith at another light now. You know, in Hebrews 11, we have that great hall of faith, right? With all the Bible characters in their faith, including Father Abraham. Well, check this out. Hebrews 11, 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Folks, everyone in Jericho, everyone died except those who were identified with Rahab and that scarlet cord. Every single person died except for Rahab and those identified with that scarlet cord. So what does Rahab's faith do besides work? What does it do besides testify and influence? Ladies and gentlemen, Rahab's faith saved. Her faith saved her life and her family's. And look, you don't have to turn there. We're going to look at it right now. Joshua 6, the same book. Joshua 6, 22 through 23. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. They were saved. They were outside the camp of Israel because Rahab's faith saved. i got to read this verse to you, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. Folks, Rahab's faith did something else. Rahab's faith blessed It was a blessing because eventually she was no longer known as the harlot who hid the spies. She was no longer known as the prostitute who hid the spies. No, she would become the wife of Salmon. She would become the mother of Boaz. She would become the great-great-grandmother to King David and an ancestor to Jesus Christ, as we see in the genealogies in Matthew chapter 1. Thank you. Rahab's faith blessed. She became part of the family of God. Now, if you don't see God's divine direction and providence in this, I can't help you because it's right here. Rahab was a heathen. Rahab was an unbeliever. She was an inhabitant of Jericho. She was not an Israelite. She was not one of God's chosen people. However, God dealt with Rahab in an awesome and magnificent way. And all of this was because of her faith. Now, God wants us to have this kind of faith. You may say, wait, the faith of a prostitute? Yes. God wants us to have this kind of faith. I'm going to go over this again because it's so important. Rahab's faith worked. How? She hid the spies and she helped them escape. Her faith was in action. We could see the evidence of her faith. Rahab's faith testified. When she was on the roof, she expressed her faith. Your God is the God of heaven and your God is the God of earth. It was expressed. She was testifying. 
her faith influenced. Her family was brought into safety. Her family and her lives were saved when everyone else died. Her faith influenced. Her faith blessed. It was a blessing. She became, uh, she was married. She had children. She became part of the story. She became part of the family of God. And then her faith, of course, saved. First she saved the spies. Then she saved her and her family. They were saved. And not only from physical deliverance, folks. uh, we, We know where Rahab's heart was, and we hope that her family followed suit in that spiritual deliverance as well. So let's talk about your faith, because this is the heart of the matter right now. We know we're all here because our faith saves. We know our faith has saved our lives, but is that where your faith stops? Because as you look at the story of Rahab, there is much, much more to this. Your faith has saved your life, and praise God for that. But folks, is your faith working? Is it working with family, friends, co-workers, children? Is your faith working? Is it at work? Is your faith testifying to who God is and how you feel about Him? Is your faith influencing others through your actions, through the way you live? Because people can see you living out faith in your life, folks. And is your faith a blessing to somebody else? You've been blessed. Is your faith a blessing to somebody else? Here we see all of these parts, all of these categories, in the woman, in the harlot, in the prostitute of Rahab. We see that faith. But there's something else to the story. Right? The, the faith of Rahab is for us. But there's another part. Folks, there are people out there, through your testifying, through your influence, that need to hear this story. They need to hear this story. See, some people out there believe they are not good enough. Some people believe they're too far gone. I could never be loved by your God. There's no way. You have no idea where I've come from, what I've done. Nope, my God is great. He's bigger than that. No, you don't know who I am. You don't know the things that I've done to get where I am. And I just, there's no way I could be loved by a God like that. I just, I can't. Nope, my God's greater. He's bigger than that. Let me tell you about the story of Rahab. See, there are people out there that think that they are so filthy they could never be clean. But we sang a song today, White as Snow. We read a verse today that that scarlet color can become white as snow. That crimson red color can become white as wool. That's because of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this Old Testament story presents salvation of Jesus Christ in that scarlet cord. We need to be able to tell this story to people that need to hear it, because I'm telling you, there's people out there so hurt and so distanced from God, they don't see a way to Him. And through your testifying and through your influence, like Rahab's faith, they can hear this story. So my challenge is this. Read this story every day this week. Read it twice. Know Joshua 2 like the back of your hand. Be able to recite it as a story in your own words. There are people that need to hear the story of Rahab. There's one section, but the other section that's for us, we need to have the faith of Rahab in order to do that. We have to have faith like Rahab in order to do that. What an amazing story for us to know. So I hope you're accepting my challenge right now to read Joshua 2 every day this week until I see you again on Sunday every day. And if I see you before, I still expect you to be reading it. I want you to know it because it is imperative to the Christian's walk. We have to know what the Bible says. We have to live out what the Bible says. And here we have a story that God has handed to us 
that helps us not only with our faith, but will save another life. So that's my challenge, folks, is for you and I to not only stop with saving faith, but to have a faith that works, that testifies, that influences, and that it blesses. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God, and you show us an amazing love. We owe you everything. We owe you everything, Father. You have delivered us. You have protected us. You provide for us. And ultimately, Lord, we know that you have saved us. Let us honor you, Father, by telling others about who you are and what you've done. Father, give us faith like Rahab. Father, we know that you've saved our lives, but Father, let us have evidence of that. Let us produce works that show that we're saved, the evidence of our faith. Father, let us testify to who you are. Let us be able to influence others in our lives, Father, and in our words and deeds to, to, to bring and shed a light, Father, on Jesus Christ. Let us be a blessing to somebody else as you have blessed us. We are grateful for our faith, Father. We are grateful for our God-given faith. Father, we are asking for help so that we work that faith, just like Rahab did. Let us work that faith. That's my prayer for this sanctuary. Father, every heart here, Father, that's my prayer for me, that we work this faith. Father, I love you. This church loves you. Help us honor you in this. Father, first, let us understand this story. Let us absorb this story so that we can tell this to other people. But Father, let us see the fine points of her faith and let that just saturate us so that we work towards going beyond saving faith and work this out right now in our lives, Father. I want to be a testimony to somebody else. I want to be a blessing to somebody else, Father, because of what you've done for me. Let us see it in that light, God. That's my prayer today. Father, we thank you for this service, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we just want to thank you for all that you do for us. We praise you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.